everyone. This is Maria Wells with the Savvy Millennial Podcast. We're a community dedicated to ambitious and successful millennial entrepreneurs. And today with us, we have Marsha Durker. She's the founder of Fuck Up Nights Toronto, which is a community that destigmatizes failure. Before getting into this community building aspect of her life, she held various marketing and PR roles in companies ranging from consumer packaged goods to tech startups. She's also the host of Creative Community Podcast, so I highly recommend to check it out. There, she creates amazing content and chats with fellow community builders to define what community truly means. And with that, please welcome Marsha. Hi there. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing as well as you can during the COVID pandemic. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I guess the first thing that we would want to discuss, obviously, something about your background or how did you get started with Fuck Up Nights Toronto for all those listeners who potentially don't know what it is, have never heard about it and are very intrigued with the name. So please, please tell us more. Fuck Up Nights is a global community, global speaker series where our whole goal is to change the conversation around failure. So we get people to share their biggest professional fuck ups and lessons learned in front of a room full of strangers or now through different online and virtual events. And we're really just trying to take the stigma away from failure and really show people that failure is really part of any journey. Any successful person or any successful company is definitely going to encounter it. But it's only really a failure if you didn't learn something from it. And we think it's really important to share those lessons and to really fail mindfully and to really like think through those failures and make sure that you know, you're truly learning from them and not making those same mistakes again. How I got into it is a pretty like winding story. I come from a business and marketing background, really like traditional start to my career working in corporate um, CPG and never in a million years that I think that I'd be a community builder or that I'd be leading something called fuck up nights. I kind of fell into it. I, I spent some time living abroad in Tel Aviv and I'm sure we'll get to how I like even got there and how my career took me there. But I went to a fuck up nights event there and just absolutely fell in love with the concept. It was so refreshing and so different from other types of events that I've been to where, you know, really successful people were sharing their biggest fuck ups and the darkest parts of their journeys. I absolutely fell in love with the event, thought it was so different and just so inspiring. And then I got back to Toronto a few months later, and I was kind of looking for the next step in my own life. I was kind of feeling unsure, almost feeling like a failure myself, and just really wanted this community to exist here. I wanted to engage with it, go to the events, maybe volunteer. And I was really shocked to find that it didn't exist here yet. It was already in like Ottawa, Montreal, Vancouver, um, a bunch of places across North America, even like some smaller cities across Canada, but somehow Toronto didn't have it. So I figured I didn't really have anything to lose. I wasn't really doing anything else. I was still searching for my next step. And I figured I'd just like try it out, see what happens. I've never done events before. I've never done anything like it. Um, But I thought if I fucked it up, at least it would be ironic. and I can kind of share my own story. But it really resonated and kind of took off from, from day one, from our very first event. And it's been a really cool journey building it. So how long have you been doing the fuck up nights? Four years? It's been just over three years. So I I launched it in March of 2017. Amazing. And then I guess you mentioned that you were attending your first event in Tel Aviv. Yeah. What brought you there? 
I feel like I had like a quarter life crisis. <laughs> Basically, I'll put it that way. So like I mentioned, I started my career in a very traditional sort of way, just like exactly what would be expected from a shoe like business grad. Started working for a consumer packaged goods company. And then from there, I kind of found my passion more on the communications and PR side. So I found another corporate job uh, working for a life safety company. And I was there for about three years in like various marketing, communications, PR roles. I was doing really great there. I got promoted. I had a great team. I was really enjoying the work. I was there for close to three years. But getting closer to that third year there, I just felt like I was stagnating in some ways. Things were kind of repeating. We were participating, you know, in like the same trade shows every year. Um, and I felt like I wasn't learning as much as I could. And I felt like I was more focused on the traditional side of marketing. We were doing like print advertising, really focused on PR, things like that. And I just found myself becoming really fascinated with the tech world and with startups that were emerging. In Toronto, um, I kind of started looking for roles in that. And then I kind of realized that I wanted something that was a little bit more of a drastic change. I realized that I was kind of in a point in my life where it wasn't going to cut it, just maybe like moving downtown and starting a new role in tech in Toronto. I wanted something more drastic, I guess. And one regret that I had throughout university was that I didn't do exchange. A lot of my classmates, a lot of my close friends did exchange. It was like the best year of their life, as they put it. And I felt like I kind of missed out on that opportunity. So I came across this program in Israel called Career Israel, where you basically get matched with a company in whatever industry you're interested in. There's a really booming tech ecosystem there. Like people call it Startup Nation. It has the highest number of startups per capita, even like more than Silicon Valley, believe it or not. There's huge companies coming out of there. Like Wix is headquartered there. Waze was started there and then bought by Google. Monday.com is based in Tel Aviv. Like really big Nike Fiverr is there. And there's so many cool new companies kind of coming out from there. So it was a really cool opportunity to immerse myself in tech, take a risk, you know, go from a really safe corporate job to being employee number six in a tiny startup, really get to wear a lot of different hats, focus on digital marketing, content marketing, really like growth marketing, but then also kind of learn from every area of the company and really like work across the board. And then also to have the opportunity to just live in a new place, to immerse myself in a new culture, to travel around, just completely kind of take myself out of my day-to-day, out of my comfort zone in Toronto and really just do something totally different. So I jumped on that opportunity. I think people around me thought I was absolutely nuts to leave like a really safe corporate job to go do something where it was almost considered like an internship what I was doing. But for me, I was like, this is going to be so much better for me than potentially doing an MBA or or something like that. I'm going to learn so much in this year. And I feel like I can come back and really find an incredible role and really like grow in my salary and just grow as a person. So yeah, I jumped on it, even though people thought it was crazy. That's amazing. I love the story. And uh, is that where you got your idea of building a community aspect? Or that's where you fell in love with building the communities? Yeah, so I never thought that I'd be a community builder. I never even heard that term before, (laughs) to be honest. I just like, I've always been part of communities, I guess. And I've always kind of had a curiosity in going to different events and seeing what kind of makes them tick, what kind of people come out, what works, what doesn't work. 
So I used to go to a lot of networking things in Toronto, like in tech and marketing. And then same thing in Tel Aviv, like especially in Tel Aviv, because I was immersed in a new place. I was, you know, trying to meet people and really understand how the culture works there and how the ecosystem works there. So I was just going out to a lot of different events. I liked some better than others. They all kind of started to feel the same after a while. And in Toronto as well, just, you know, people sharing how successful their company is or how they've scaled it or whatever. And when I went to fuck up nights, that event just felt different to me. It felt like the speakers were obviously really vulnerable and sharing their failure stories. But then just the people who were there, it felt like a community, I guess. And I didn't even know the word at that time, but it just like something clicked in me where it just like felt different. I felt like my guard was down. I could really talk to people. It didn't feel like that typical networking where you're kind of doing it as like a transaction. It's just like people were more open, I think, because they heard these failure stories and they were more willing to kind of share their true selves. So I guess that was really like my first exposure to it. It took me a while, like even when I started planning fuck up nights here again, I didn't think that I was building a community. I thought that I was organizing an event and just like bringing people together and like changing the perception around failure. But then a community really started to form around it. And I started to really understand what it was. And I started kind of getting immersed in a community of community builders here, which sounds really meta, but that exists. There's like a Slack channel and really like a true community for people who are trying to build communities. So that was really cool. And it's been such an amazing learning journey. I am personally very thankful for all the things that you're doing because I've been to quite a few of your events and I've met amazing human beings. And I love the human aspect that you bring to the whole idea of failure because you actually do learn from other people that there is no such thing as an overnight success. Like all of those businesses or entrepreneurs failed multiple times, usually over and over again. And they do this thing where it's failing forward. So every time they fail, they learn, they get back up and they do something else. So I think that's something unique about your event. It brings the human aspect, as you said, vulnerability that not a lot of events have. Yeah, I'm really proud of that. I think you should be. In terms of successes and pitfalls and lessons that you think, I would say you're learning most of the time at every event. What do you think is a recurring theme that you see with a lot of the entrepreneurs? A lot of the failure stories kind of, they fall into a few buckets. I think the biggest one is really financial and cash flow. You know, just people not really watching their numbers, not realizing how much runway they have, not taking care of their accounting. And a lot of those mistakes are very avoidable. So we're really lucky to partner with Zero Accounting and really kind of like support our entrepreneurs and encourage them to, you know, make sure that they are watching their cash flow and they know their numbers. And that's really going to set their business up for success. So that's a big one. We've heard a lot of fuck ups of people just like running out of money or just like not watching it. Another big one is legal. You know, people either just like not signing contracts or having the wrong contracts in place or, you know, like giving away too much of their company, things like that. Like anything that could kind of be like a legal fuck up. There's, there's a lot of different areas across that. And then a third one, this is a huge theme as well, just like things to do with the team, whether it's, you know, picking the wrong co-founder, like we've had stories where people have decided to have their best friend as their co-founder, and they literally have like the same skill set. And it's just like, they're not complementary to each other, or they're like fighting with their best friend, or they just didn't have the right contracts with their co-founders. A lot of the themes kind of overlap as well, or like hiring fuck ups is another one, just like not being smart in your hiring or being too 
slow to fire people that are bringing the business down. Anything with people operations is like another huge theme. And then I would say like something that kind of overlaps all of them is mental health. Our stories focus on professional and business fuck ups, but as you probably know, like those things obviously don't just happen in a bubble. If your business is failing, your mental health is not going to be perfect. A lot of the time you're dealing with anxiety or depression or maybe an important relationship in your life is suffering because of it or just simultaneously. So I think the people that kind of give us that full perspective and really share the personal side of their story as well, those are really the stories that resonate. Um, and it's a huge theme. Like people really do feel like it's a community where they can open up about it. We've heard some really interesting things about mental health and how they've kind of overcome those barriers and found themselves in a healthier place. In terms of the mitigating factors for every one of those, I mean, for accounting is obviously they either have a good accounting firm or a good practice or hire someone who is good. Legal, the same thing, you know, just hire someone, pay someone to do it right the first time. How do you think the entrepreneur should deal with their team challenges, making sure that you have the right co-founders, like what is the right answer for that? Like what is the recommendation that comes out from that as well as mental health? How do you hire the right people? How do you find the right partner? And then how do you deal with actual mental health and stress? It's so tough. Like there's no template answer for this. And I think you have to kind of learn from experience and you have to learn from from others experience. But I think there's so many great resources in Toronto. Like there's so many awesome communities for entrepreneurs. There's places where you can get mashed with co-founders. Like I know, for example, um, Schulich, the school where I went, the business program there has a partnership with the engineering program now at York University. And I forgot what it's called, but it's basically, it's almost like a matchmaking session, I guess, or like they do these big like community events where business students who are interested in entrepreneurship get to meet engineering students who are also interested in starting some kind of company. And, you know, they can meet a technical co-founder that way. I would say like really use those kinds of resources that are available. And really, like, I think the key is with a really strong co-founder is one that they're going to complement your skill set. Like you don't need like two marketing co-founders, for example, or like two technical people trying to run a company. So you you need to have like a breadth of of skills. But then it has to be somebody that you'd really get along with. Like, can you tolerate a car ride with this person for like a road trip for five hours? Like, can you sit in the car and just like have a conversation and really enjoy each other's company? So I think it kind of, it has to come down to complementary skills, but also like a true friendship and somebody that you're going to be excited to work with because you're going to be spending a lot of time together if you're building a company. So there's that. And then on the mental health side, I think a really big thing is just being able to separate yourself from your company. That's a really tough thing for entrepreneurs because you live and breathe your company. And, you know, if your company isn't doing well or if it's failing, a lot of mental health challenges come from your identity being so closely tied to it. And, you know, thinking that if your company failed, that means that you failed as a person. If you're kind of able to separate the two and really realize that, yes, this thing failed or I took a risk that didn't pan out, but it doesn't mean that I as a person am a fuck up. It's just like this thing fucked up and here's what I learned from it. So I think just like having a growth mindset around failure and being able to just try to separate your ego from it and yourself from it. And that's going to really help you. I totally agree with you. Now, in terms of the way you deal with your own company right now, I mean, you're a business owner, you are running a pretty successful company, and you're definitely affected by COVID-19. Can you tell us more about, you know, how are you dealing with things? How are you pivoting? What do you think people should do nowadays in some of your tips? It's a really good question. So with fuck up nights, I mean, it's not meant to be like a business. It, 
it's kind of in an area where it's like a social organization, I guess it's more of a community. My goal with it isn't, you know, to make the maximum amount of profit. I'm really trying to change the conversation around failure, bring people together, but also make it sustainable for myself and to be able to hire people for it and really just make it something that's going to be sustainable and last for the long term. So the way that I do that is through number one, sponsorships, you know, partnering with companies that are going to be very aligned to our community that's going to help people either not fuck up their business or not fuck up their professional journey. So we have amazing partners. And then also through ticket sales for our events. And those really help to cover the expenses that we incur, you know, like the food, all the insurance, SaaS that we use, like there's a whole host of expenses that people don't see with running an event. But there's definitely a ton of that has been wiped out the ticket side of things and some sponsorships also didn't pan out where you know they were really exploring um the live events side of things so it's definitely been tough and we were also supposed to have our three-year anniversary on march 12th and i'm sure anybody listening kind of remembers how that week panned out things were kind of escalating every single day with um, the coronavirus being declared a global pandemic on march 11th so it became really clear as that day kind of unfolded that this event was just not going to be responsible or realistic thing to host even though it was kind of in a gray area like there weren't any like guidelines for an event of that size at that point there was like massive conferences with like seventy thousand people flying in internationally that were being canceled but local events with like 300 people were still kind of in a gray area but for me the decision kind of came from that this event was supposed to be a celebration it was supposed to be really you know like happy and joyful and you know, like quirky, like people sharing their fuck ups, but you know, like we were really celebrating the community that we've built and all our awesome speakers and partners and people. So that was kind of the deciding factor for me, just thinking that people are going to feel like awkward and almost like anxious at this event with everything going on. And I felt bad for my team. Like I couldn't imagine how stressful it would be to volunteer at something like that and to deal with that number of people when this thing was just declared a global pandemic. So that kind of made my decision for me. Literally like an hour after I communicated it, things just escalated by the minute. Like NBA season was suspended and Tom Hanks got coronavirus. And then the next day when we were supposed to have the event, it just became so clear, like without a shadow of a doubt, it was the right decision. Like every company was like, like especially in tech, they're like, we're working from home. All these things were getting canceled. And I was like, okay, there's no way. Like, I'm so happy that I made that decision. Like, without a shadow of a doubt, the right call, even though it was kind of unclear in the moment. So yeah, there was that. There was like one silver lining. So the catering order was already paid for. A lot of things were kind of prepaid for since it was like that day. But we were able to donate our entire catering order to a shelter. So a shelter got food for 350 people. I feel really good about that. And, you know, at least that didn't go to waste. But I did take a pretty significant financial loss with it. So yeah, it's been interesting kind of pivoting from it, recovering from it. And I was telling you before, I wasn't sure if failure was even something that was relevant for people when the world is just being flipped upside down and our stories of past failure is relevant to people. And then our new failures or things that we're living through right now, are they too fresh and are they too sensitive? And I wasn't sure and I didn't really announce anything for the first couple of weeks. I really took that time to just kind of like process what had happened to kind of recover emotionally in a way. Cause I think like the thing with community building, you're not going to have anything to give to your community if you're not in the right frame of mind or if you're not feeling kind of whole yourself. So I just kind of took some time for myself 
chatted with my team, like we came up with some ideas. And then the biggest thing was just communicating with the community and getting their thoughts, like asking them, is failure relevant to you right now? What kind of formats would you like to see? And kind of through getting some of that feedback, I was able to figure out how to pivot and what to start experimenting with. I don't know if the worst is over yet, but what are the next steps that you were taking considering that we all know COVID is here to stay? How are you pivoting your community into the new way of life? So we experimented with a few things. One of the kind of like mottos, I guess, of fuck up nights is, you know, just keep it simple. And I think that's something that I almost like fucked up in a way through like just like what I've built in Toronto. I think I was just doing all kinds of things with it and growing it so quickly and it became like the most active chapter out of all the global ones because I was working so hard at it and trying all these different things and really like putting together these really amazing events. With this, I think it really gave me an opportunity to kind of look at that motto again. And right now, I think the goal is just to keep the community engaged and, you know, to really entertain people, to distract people and to really kind of help support people through this time. And I think failure is really relevant when you're looking at it in a way from like, how are you staying resilient? How do people get through other like uncertain or tough times? Like a lot of our speakers have gone through the 2008 recession or they've dealt with really uncertain pivots in in their industries or in their business. So how are they applying these lessons to what's going on now? How are they staying afloat with their business, but also from a mental health perspective? So that's been really relevant. So we started off with doing just some Instagram lives, bringing back past speakers, special guests, chatting about their failure stories, but then also really kind of digging out those lessons to how can they apply what they learned from that past failure to what's going on now. That was going well, but I think with Instagram Live, like it was kind of glitchy because I think literally everybody is going on Instagram Live right now and it might have been overloaded at the times that we were on. And then also with Instagram Live, it's so easy to just kind of like swipe to the next story or, you know, just exit out of it because you're just like on your phone and it's meant to be like a quick thing. So to kind of get into an hour long interview with someone, it just like wasn't the best medium for it. But we tried it and it was like the perfect way to get into it. Then something that we had on the calendar that was supposed to be an in-person event, but shifted really well to virtual is our 420 event with Bruce Linton, who's um, the former CEO of Canopy Growth. So that was supposed to be just a fireside chat with him. And I was like, this is going to work perfectly virtually. So that one, we did it over Zoom and streamed to Facebook Live. And there was like close to a thousand people that watched it and we had so much great engagement with it. And even afterwards, like with Facebook Live, like it kind of, it lives on. We posted it on YouTube and it's been getting a lot of engagement since and we were able to create other pieces of content from it. And then we did another event on Facebook Live called Navigating Your Business Through Fucked Up Times where it was like a panel of entrepreneurs and we did that one in partnership with Zero, and we really spoke about the importance of staying on top of your cash flow now and really extending your runway and mental health was a huge theme as well with mental health week coming up or actually in the middle of it now. So that's kind of what we've done so far. I think the really cool thing right now is that it's really the perfect time for experimentation, especially with, you know, offering free events to the community. People are really forgiving and they're kind of really there with you for it. And they're grateful that it's it's happening and they give their feedback and they're happy to participate in it. And it gives us a platform to kind of experiment and try things and see what works. So who knows, in the future, we might shift to a different platform. We might try more things. But for now, this I think this is working really well and it's keeping our community engaged. I love it. No, thank you for sharing. Now, in terms of the next opportunity in 2020, I mean, I know you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs through Fuck Up Nights and then also through your podcast. So what do you think are 
the next up and coming trending things that are going to be very, very interesting and exciting to get involved in because I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs are now looking to either what business they should start or how can they pivot? What do you think? I think e-commerce is definitely something that's like obviously booming. Shopify just became the most valuable company in Canada, which was super exciting. On the event side, I think that's going to, it's going to be really interesting to see how that pivots as well. I don't think like even when we are able to gather in person again, I think like consumer behavior is just going to be changed. I don't know how quick people are going to be to want to gather again in bigger groups. My prediction is that events are going to have to be more intimate than people were used to before. And I think virtual events are not going to go away. We were able to see how engaging they could be, how many people could participate, how accessible it is, even if it's not a free event, just, you know, being able to participate from the comfort of your home. Events that were kind of closed off to people before who just, you know, had other responsibilities or live somewhere far away from it. Now they could participate. I see some kind of hybrid model happening where, you know, there's a more intimate event happening, but then there's an opportunity for others to participate virtually, expanding it to literally like thousands of people who could be tuning in. There's no limit on it. So I'm kind of excited to see how that evolves. Now, what do you think in terms of connection, the actual personal connection? Do you think people are still going to be as interested in making new friends, creating those relationships? Because right now, even if you are meeting, you're probably not comfortable shaking hands with a person you don't know or hugging, which was the normal practice, or even standing close and discussing something. Do you think that will shift things a little bit? Or what are the tips on still creating and building these relationships considering that you can't meet anyone in person? Yeah, I mean, I think right now, like, I hate the term social distancing. It's like it's physical distancing. Like we can't be close to somebody in person. But I think right now, human connection is more important than ever. And like friendships are more important than ever. And community is more important than ever. So I think that's never going to go away. Like people need human connection to thrive. And it's just a basic human need. So I don't think that's going to go away anywhere. I think people are going to be more cautious of, you know, being in like huge public spaces and, you know, like shaking hands and stuff like that might be kind of frowned upon for the next little while. But I think just like our nature is that we want to get close to people. And I think it's going to shift over time. But also, we're just going to find we're going to have to find new ways to adapt and to connect, whether it's virtual or I'm not sure, but I don't think that like that need is going to go away. So I think we're going to find ways to adapt. Good, good. Booking Zoom calls instead of LinkedIn (laughs) coffee meetings. Uh, Do you mind Uh having a Zoom call? I think I think that'll work. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. My guess is as good as yours, I guess. Yeah, interesting. So in terms of the inspiration, the strategies, the pivots that you're coming up with, how do you do it? Do you have a team that helps you with brainstorming? Is it you reading, learning? Like what resources do you use to get inspired and create new ideas? Yeah, there's definitely a few things. I do have an awesome team. So we chat almost every week at this point, we have like a weekly standing Zoom call where we brainstorm and kind of chat about things that went well, things that didn't go well with with the events that we've done. And then all of us are really kind of tuned into just what others are doing, seeing what other communities, how they've pivoted, what virtual events are looking like. I've had the opportunity to speak at a couple of virtual events. So that's been an interesting experience as well to just kind of see it from the other point of view, what, like what that experience is like as a speaker. So yeah, I would say it's kind of a combination of those two things, like having an awesome team, really like brainstorming and chatting through things. And then also just being really plugged into other events and seeing what other communities are doing. Interesting. So I guess since you've spoken 
at different events. Question for you, what has been your biggest fuck up and what would you do differently if you could go back? Or maybe there's nothing. Actually, last week I was speaking at um, this awesome virtual conference for community builders and was so well organized. We even had like a dry run using the platform that they were using. They invested in a really cool platform to run this event. And then on the day of, so there was like a green room that they had set up for their speakers. I joined this green room. Everything went well there. And then it was time to head over to the session room where I was supposed to have my fireside chat with somebody. So I go into the session room. I'm like, five minutes early, everything is good. Like the moderator starts doing the intro. And then what I had to do was click a participate button um, to be able to kind of get on the virtual stage. So I go to click this participate button and it was just not working. Like it was not clicking. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It was just like the button was like not clicking. I don't know how to explain it. So then I'm like two minutes late to this fireside chat. The person who's supposed to interview me is just like alone on this virtual stage, just kind of like trying to stall. He's like, okay, I guess I'll tell you all a little bit more about myself. Like he was doing a really good job, but I could tell he was kind of freaking out too. So then I'm like in the chat, there's like a bunch, like there was like over a hundred people watching this thing. They're like, Marsha, where are you? I was like, I'm here. Like this button just isn't working. So then somebody was like, just try refreshing your screen. So I refreshed the screen and then it totally worked. And I still don't know. I'm like, was this my fuck up? Like I just thought that I was clicking it and like the person who was supposed to let me in was doing it wrong or something, but I just literally had to refresh my screen and then it worked. So yeah, there was that. <laughs> It wasn't too bad of a fuck up. I mean, it gave an opportunity to the other person to talk just a little bit more about yeah, himself. So it wasn't that just Yeah, it worked out. And then it was like the whole topic was like around like building fuck up nights and how I've kind of pivoted. So I was like, well, of course we have to have a fuck up. Fuck was up there night. any fuck ups that you can share about you building the community or building fuck up nights over the past three years? I'm sure there was something that didn't yeah. go right. I think my biggest one was not building a team right away. As I mentioned, I didn't really realize from the beginning that I was even building a community. I thought I was just organizing an event. And I was like, yeah, I can do this by myself. And I did. Like, I pulled off a pretty great, like, launch event. And then I had a team for, like, the night of, like, I had volunteers, like, checking people in and, like, helping me set up the chairs and all of the stuff. But all the planning, all the marketing, like the speakers, all that stuff was kind of, I just did it by myself. And I kind of continued that way, but I was also working full time at the time. And it just like, it led to really bad burnout. Like I was just like working 24 seven. It was only just like my ideas, I guess that were moving forward. So then I like, I realized that was a huge fuck up. And then I started building the team, but I should have done it from day one. I think it would have grown even faster and it would have saved me a lot of stress and burnout, I think. So there was that probably like the biggest one. And there's been a ton with just like the actual running of events. Like I've never done events before this. So there was a lot of trial and error. Like the first event, I didn't even have like assigned roles for any of the volunteers. Like I had no idea. I'm like, we'll just figure it out when we get there. And it was like definitely a mess at the beginning because people had no idea what they were supposed to be doing. They did figure it out. And then, you know, we really like defined that process. And now it's like super organized for the volunteers. Everybody knows what they're in charge of. There's like leads for everything. But it was not the case at all from the beginning. How did you find your volunteers to begin with? Like, where did you look for them? For the very first event, it was mostly like really good friends of mine. One person actually came, I posted in the Buns Entrepreneurial Zone group on Facebook. And he actually came from there. Like I just explained like what the concept is and that I'm looking for people to help on on the day of the event. He's still a member of the team. So he's been with the team for three years and it was just like 
a person from like a random Facebook group. But for the first event, it was a lot of my close friends. And actually, two of them stayed on as well and have been super involved and have taken on leadership roles with the team. And then from there, a lot of people kind of came on, just like you said, like people who were in the audience, like attending the event who really resonated with it and just wanted to get involved and help out. I love it. It's, you know, friends and family around for everything from financing to volunteering and helping. Exactly. Yeah. How do you find your speakers, though? What's the defining factor? Because I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs now are coming to you and want to share their story. How do you decide who goes on stage? Yeah, it was kind of similar to the volunteer team. Like the first one was kind of I like went through my LinkedIn. I was like, who would be a good speaker? I kind of found people from there. I got recommendations. And then from there, it started really resonating with people from volume two. There was like a speaker that came from somebody who attended volume one who realized that he had his own fuck up that he wanted to share. So there was that. We we created an application form on the website. They kind of, they come from like a number of, of things. Like a lot of them are inbound, like people who've either heard from it or been to an event and they have their own story they want to share. Some come through our partners. Like a lot of our speakers are e-commerce entrepreneurs because we work so closely with Shopify. Some of their employees have spoken because they've had businesses or, you know, past careers that they've worked in, which didn't pan out. And then some are kind of through cold outreach, just like our team thinking of who would we want to have as a speaker and then reaching out to them. And kind of it's always fun kind of reaching out to somebody and being like, you know, I think you'd be a good speaker for something called Fuck Up Nights. You must have fucked up. But kind of positioning it in a way as like any successful entrepreneur has definitely had some fuck ups along their journey. Would you be interested in sharing yours? So yeah, it's definitely a mix of things. And then, oh my God, a lot of speakers have come through um, past speakers, like them recommending other entrepreneurs or friends in their network. So what would your recommendation be for people who are either trying to build a community or relationships or anything, you know, and they don't have a lot of network or people who come to this country, new immigrants, and they don't have a lot of friends or connections? What would be your recommendation of going through the process and what are the tips? Yeah, like I was in the exact same boat. I didn't really have a lot of connections, like... I came here as an immigrant, although like I was little, but I didn't have connections like through my family or through my parents or anything like that. And when I started Fuck Up Nights Toronto, I was actually living in Woodbridge at the time. Like I was living in a suburb, commuting into the city. I definitely was not immersed in the ecosystem here really like at all other than just, you know, having attended some other events and making like some connections through that. It really came down to just kind of like hustling, I guess, like just like connecting with as many people as possible finding relevant groups to post in, finding people that I want to connect with and just really coming from a place that's authentic and genuine. Um, I would say that's like really the key. Just you're not going to be able to build or like a true community unless you're coming from a place that's genuine and authentic. So I think that was a key thing. And then over time, like as the event started taking off, like, and I did end up moving to the city like shortly thereafter and just became a lot more immersed. And I think like as the brand grew for Fuck Up Nights, my personal brand has been able to grow through it as well, where the two just like really became connected in a lot of ways. And that has really helped with my network. I love it. And I think uh, you're right, because I dealt with the same situation where, you know, you show up to a new city every so often no friends, no connections. And as you said, hustle. And then how do you deal with it now? Have you ever had an opportunity for anyone to give you no? And what do you do? Oh my God. So like I get rejected all the time. Like that's part of any, like if you're 
doing anything, I think, like worth doing, if you're taking a risk of some sort, you're building something new, you're going to hear no so much more than you're going to hear yes. But the yeses are the things that matter and what you have to focus on. I hear no all the time. Like sponsorship is a huge thing, like trying to bring new partners on board. It's like, I don't know, like I've learned over the last three years to really just like not get too excited about anything until it's like actually on paper. Because, you know, a lot of the time, like a company has the intention to go through and something changes, like your contact at the company could change, their budget could change, their goals can change. And I've definitely learned that the hard way. I think like the first year or so, I would get very excited about things that seemed like they were moving forward and then something would shift like one of those factors and I'd get super upset about it. Now it just like rolls off my back so easily because I've gotten so many no's and I know that it's like really the yeses that matter. And then like same thing with speakers as well. Like there's definitely some people that were just like, it doesn't resonate with them. They don't want to share their failure or they're too busy for it. And they're saying no to speaking engagements. So there's that like, and I still kind of get surprised at that, but it happens. Yeah. So I guess like those are the two big things, but you hear no all the time. You just have to persevere, deal with it, find a person who says yes, and just keep going. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Now, in terms of the people you surround yourself with, I mean, they always say, you're all about the five humans whose content you consume the most or who you surround yourself with. Who do you consume and who do you surround yourself with? Like any advisors, books, podcasts, whatever you consume, what is it? Yeah, really good question. And I really do believe in that. I think, you know, you are kind of the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. I think for me, like a big shift has been like, I'm super close with my high school and university friends to this day, like, I absolutely love them. But as I've kind of found myself on this journey of like building out fuck up nights, going into entrepreneurship, I found myself needing to surround myself with more people that are kind of going through similar things, people who are, you know, doing something different, who are not just in a corporate role, people that are, you know, also, I guess, entrepreneurs. And so that's been really helpful, just finding people that are going through similar challenges and just dealing with similar things. So kind of expanding my network and my close friends to to include people like that. A lot of my actually like people that I really spend a lot of time with are people that I've met through fuck up nights, um, whether it's, you know, past speakers that I've really connected with people from the companies that we partner with. That's been really interesting. And that's been a cool way to expand my own network and just expand my circle of friends and the people that I spend the most time with. And then in terms of content that I consume, I think that's so important. And, you know, if you're not in a place where you can kind of have those mentors one on one, like, I think listening to a podcast or reading a good book is something that's really going to help you. My favorite podcast is uh, the Tim Ferriss show. I absolutely love his content. That was the first podcast that I got into back when podcasts were still kind of like a new niche sort of thing. Absolutely love his content. I really love his books as well. Uh, One that I really like is Tribe of Mentors, where it's a series of short interviews with entrepreneurs and, you know, people from all different walks of life who've done really cool things. I love that book because you can just like open it to any page and it's kind of like a new story and there's really actionable advice. Um, in terms of community building, I really admire Radha Agarwal. I'm probably butchering her name, um, but she's the founder of Daybreaker Community and she's also the author of Belong. Really love her book and just the work that she's doing. And then I really like reading autobiographies. People I really like, one that I read recently was Shoe Dog, uh, which is mm. the story of how Nike got started. And actually, I so I have the book on my Kindle and then I also have the audiobook. And I love the audiobook. I really have to like the person's voice, I guess, for me to like commit to listening to it for that long. But that one is really well done. I love it. Yes, I've read uh, the same feedback about Shoe Dog. I love the book. There's one I just recently read, Lululemon, the Chip Wilson one. It's like the history of the 
black stretchy pants, I think. <laughs> it's a long one, but it's really good. It talks about how, you know, his life journey about going from different cities and how actually he created the whole idea of leisure wear, which yeah. wasn't there before. So it's highly recommend for your COVID so reading cool. list. I love those types of books because you get to see just like, all those themes that we spoke about, like all that they're rejection, all the no's, all the fuck ups, like they're really well detailed. And it's like any amazing company or anything amazing that was built, like it really comes through like sweat and hard work and just really dealing with rejection and fuck ups and persevering. No, I love it. Okay. So then one little birdie told me, I mean, not really little Instagram, <laughs> that you got your nomination or I guess award, the 30 under 30 <laughs> list and Bastard Bull. Yeah. And it was for Fuck Up Nights. Mm -hmm. And how does it feel to be uh, in the top list of 30? It feels really nice. I'm really proud of it. But also it's, you know, like you can't let that kind of stuff kind of like get to your head or, you know, like take it too seriously. Like it's really an honor. There's amazing people on that list. But I think there's so many people who kind of deserve to be on that list. Like the quiet, like PhD student or PhD person that's like working on the cure for cancer. Like they're not going to be on that list because they, you know, they haven't applied to it or they just like don't hang out in those circles, I guess. So I don't know, just kind of taking it with a grain of salt. But also I am really proud to be on it. Well, I think you should be. So congratulations. I love the articles. I love the list. Uh, I know a lot of people on that list. And I think all of you guys are amazing. So well done. Well done. So now what's next for Marsha? What's going to be the next opportunity? I know you were busy with Fuck Up Nights and the pivot there. I know you're creating your podcast and working diligently on it. What else? So I'm really passionate about community and it's like, it's a pretty new passion of mine because I've been at it for about three years, but that's kind of where the podcast stemmed from chatting with other community builders, understanding their journeys and defining what community really means. Because I think it's become this buzzword. I've heard people define their like email list as a community or their audience on Instagram as their community when it's totally not like you're just pushing content to these people, but you're not really like building a true community. So I kind of wanted to really like define it and feature really cool people doing awesome things and building awesome communities. So I see myself doing more stuff in that realm. Um, I can see that growing into more of a brand. I can see myself potentially doing some like, I don't want to say consulting, but like really working with like impactful organizations and companies to help them build community and really connect to people during this weird time right now. But then also in the future, because like I said, I don't think the whole premise of like human connection and community is going to go away. I think it's more relevant than ever. So I see myself doing more stuff around that and then obviously continuing with fuck up nights and really just, yeah, continuing on this community journey. I love it. I'm excited to see what's next. You know, uh, maybe decide to write a book, maybe a product. I don't know. I'm excited to see what's coming. What do you usually do to distress? I mean, I'm sure when you build a community, your work becomes your passion, but also I'm sure you're doing it 24-7, so it doesn't feel like work. How do you find time <laughs> to relax and what is relaxation? Because I'm sure when you're at an event of your own, it's not really relaxation. It's really stressful. You're like when you're running an event, you're kind of yeah. you're literally running, like you're running around, like making sure that everything is going according to plan and it gets pretty hectic. What's your leisure time like? 
so I've learned that like the day after an event, I almost have to either start my day late. Like I kind of like block off my morning. So, you know, no one goes to schedule like a 9am meeting with me or something. I'm just like not like mentally ready for it. So I kind of just like give myself time to decompress and just like chill. I think like anything that kind of gets me out of my mind. Um, I love doing Pilates. That's something I'm really missing now. Like online classes are just not the same for me. Like I love being in person in a class. Yeah, just like anything that kind of gets me out of my mind. Like I love walking and listening to a podcast or just listening to music or even just leaving my phone at home and going for a nice walk. That's something that's really helpful. Catching up with friends and family. Just I'm definitely pretty introverted. I don't really like things that are kind of like in big group settings. Like I really like connecting more with people one on one or like in a small group. So I find that helpful. And like right now, just, you know, doing like a FaceTime with one friend, like that's a lot more relaxing to me than participating in like... I don't know, like a virtual happy hour with 10 people. I feel like that gets kind of like stressful in some ways. I agree with you because I was trying to do for the past couple weeks, you know, the Zoom calls with like 20 people. It's difficult because when you don't see someone and they start talking and then the connection is lagging. So then everybody talks at the same time and then everybody stops. It's weird. It gets awkward because you're like, (laughs) no, you go. And then you start creating this circle of like, let's catch up one by one. I haven't gotten to that habit quite yet. Like it's, it still doesn't seem natural. What about the routines? Do you think you have one morning, night to kind of keep yourself organized? I don't really have a good routine at all. And that's something that I want to work on. I do want to establish more of one, but I think like just my days are really different with all the stuff that I'm doing. Something that does kind of help me and that I want to kind of implement more is that I definitely have anxiety. And I think it's like, I really feel it in the morning. Like when I'm waking up, it's like my mind is just like racing with all the things that I have to do. And something that kind of helps me with it is just like listening to something in the morning or watching a video or reading, just kind of like focusing on something else, like whether it's listening to a podcast or reading like a few chapters of a book that I'm into, it kind of like grounds me in a way. So that's something that I've kind of started doing. So like having a coffee and then either listening to something or reading something. And if it's a nice day out, then I'll like go for a walk and listen to a podcast that kind of helps me um, to kind of ground me. Other than that, I honestly, I don't have too much of a routine and it's kind of embarrassing. You hear like all these successful people and they have their like exact like set morning routine, but I think I'm like a little bit more flexible with myself and I kind of, I don't know, I just see like what my day is like, what my week is like and what I kind of feel like doing. I think it's good. Your routine is no routine, just a different kind. Okay, well, now on to the fire round. Every guest that comes onto the podcast, we ask the questions, a millennial is... A millennial should be, a millennial is not. Are you ready? Yes. A millennial is? Adaptable. I think we have to kind of adapt to so many different situations and things shifting. So, yeah. I agree with you. Now, a millennial should be? Brave. I think especially right now, it's like we're probably going to go into the worst recession and you just have have to be brave and adaptable to get through it. I agree with you. And a millennial is not? Entitled. Or lazy. I feel like those are two huge misconceptions. I love it. And that's one of the reasons, you know, I started this podcast to kind of identify those misconceptions and then showcase the humans who are millennials and are really hustling, trying to get things done, know that there is a lot out there and trying to grab those opportunities. So I totally agree with you. There is exceptions to the stereotype of millennials are lazy. (laughs) Now, If people want to get to know you more, get involved with either your podcast or Fuck Up Nights, where do they find you, where they can reach out? 
tell us everything. Yeah. So for me, I'm Marsha Drucker across all platforms. Connect with me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best one to actually uh, chat with me and have a conversation. But yeah, just search Marsha Drucker anywhere and you'll find me. Um, for Fuck Up Nights, um, it's Fuck Up Nights TO for our local chapter and fuckupnightsto.ca. And then my podcast is called Create Community. The website is createcommunitypod.com. And then it's also on Instagram and LinkedIn at Create Community Pod. Now, do you have any events coming up with Fuck Up Nights? We do. So we're going to be announcing a schedule of uh, weekly fireside chats. Um, so just finalizing a couple things. But yeah, they're going to be happening weekly. Very excited. And then are you taking on more volunteers? If somebody really wants to get involved and, you know, they have some ideas and things that they want to help with, for sure, there's always opportunities. Yay. No idea when our next in-person event is going to be. That's fine. I mean, people can reach out and then figure it out as they go. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing a lot of things with us from your background to how you're doing during COVID time and then what's next. Love having you and you're always welcome anytime. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you. It was so much fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you.